the holy nation Israel. It's it's set apart. It's consecrated to God. Um, and and we see also, of course, that Moses has a special relationship with God. Um, and this connection, this communication, of course. Um, there's only these uh holy sanctified uh, people set apart. So the priests Moses and, and Aaron go up to the Lord and um only those or else you'll get struck down. Um and this represents again the um we go into chapter twenty, the, uh, this represents again the unique relationship that God has with Israel. Um when he has the gives the Ten Commandments, this is a clear direct communication of God to the Israelites. And this is the basis of the covenant being concluded in Sinai. Of course, we have the Ten Commandments. Um, all great stuff, of course. <laughs> so first, we, we have... Um, we're going up, right? And we have the commandments. Uh, I would like to, to have a few here. Um, so, so for today, um, God's name in vain. This is a general of the prohibition, which includes a screen, false, of course. And, um, a lot of times we don't realize this, but OMG, oh my god, oh my goodness, and oh gosh, those words all derive from um, God's name, and this is. Um, taking the Lord's name in vain, so we should be cautious with this, even though it's, um, we may see, oh, it's it's not a big deal, it actually is, um, because it's still a deriving, deriving from God's name. Going further, um, again, keeping the, the Sabbath day holy, keeping it um, separated, actually there's, since I'm talking about it so much, there's a, the Hebrew word for holy is kadosh, which literally means separated, um, different. So we see this um, so much. Leviticus, um, be holy as the Lord I, the Lord your God, am holy. Um, being separated, it's not like oh, holier than thou, or you're so religious. It's it's being separated. We're called to be separated, um, set apart from the secular world. And, of course, that's what we are here commanded to do, uh, keeping the Lord's day holy. Kadosh, separated. Um, something ish interesting, if you guys were on the Zoom just now, um, Father talked about the graven images and kind of how Jesus was the um, first image. I mean, the word became flesh, and um, that it's it's not this trying to to bring heaven down but um looking at something more there um and reminding us of, of our home in heaven so just a few points i wanted to um get to there also in um chapter 20 uh we see again moses is accepted as mediator um we talked about this last time um this this foreshadowing that uh, Moses is the mediator between Israel and um, God, and um, 
here the people accept him as mediator. Alright, I think that's pretty much it for that. Uh, Maxwell, whenever you're ready, go ahead and read 21 and 22. Alright, uh, just to make sure, can you uh, hear me? Absolutely. Alright, so um, a, book, a reading from the book of Exodus, chapters 21 to 22. The Treatment of Slaves. Give the Israelites the following laws. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve you for six years. In the seventh year, he is to be set free without having to pay anything. If he was unmarried, if he was unmarried when he became your slave, he is not to take a wife with him when he leaves. But he, if he was married when he became your slave, he may take a swipe with him. If his master gave him a wife and she bore him sons or daughters, the woman and her children belong to the master, and the man is to leave by himself. But if the slave declares that he loves his master, his wife, and his children and does not want to be set free, then his master shall take him to the place of worship. There he is to make he is to make him stand against the door or the doorpost of a hole through his ear. Then he will be a slave for his life. For life. If a man sells his daughter as a slave, she is not to be set free as male, male slaves are. If she, is to, to, if she is sold to someone who intends to make her his wife, but he does not, doesn't like her, then she is to be sold back to her father. Her, mas her master cannot sell her to foreigners because he has treated her unfairly. If a man buys a female slave to give to his son, he is to treat her like a daughter. If a man takes a second wife, he must continue to give his first wife the same amount of food and clothing and the same rights that she had before. If he does not fulfill these duties to her, he must set her free and not receive any payment. Laws about violent acts. Whoever hits someone and kills him is to be put to death. But if it was an accident and he not mean to kill him, he can escape to a place which I will choose for you, and there he will be safe. But when someone gets angry and deliberately kills someone else, he is to be put to death, even if he has run to my altar for safety. Whoever hits his father or, or his mother is to be put to death. Whoever kidnaps someone, either to be to sell him or to keep him as a slave, is to be put to death. Whoever curses his father or mother is to be put to death. If there is a fight and someone hits someone else with a stone or with a fist but does not kill him, he's not simply punished. If the one who was hit has to stay in bed, but later is able to get up and walk outside with the help of a cane, the one who hit him is to pay for his lost time and take care of him until he gets well. If a slave owner or takes a stick and beats a slave, whether male or female, and the slave dies on the spot, the owner is to be punished. But if, this, if the slave does not die for a, for a day or two, the master is not to be punished. The loss of property is punishment enough. If some, if some men are fighting and are hurt, pregnant, and hurt a pregnant woman so that she loses her child, but she is not injured in any other way, the one who hurt her is to be fined wherever her amount of woman's husband demands, sub subject to the approval of the judges. But if the woman herself is injured, the punishment shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If someone hits his, his male or female slave in the eye and puts it out, he's 
name for the eye. If he knocks out a tooth, he is to free a slave as a payment for the tooth. The responsibility of owners. If a bull gores someone to death, it is to be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but its owner is not to be punished. But but if the bull had had been put had been in a habit of attacking people and its owner had had been warned but did not keep it penned up, then if it go then if it gores someone to death, it is to be stoned and its owner to be put to death also. However, if the if the owner is allowed to pay a fine to save his life, he must pay the full amount required. If the bull kills a boy or a girl, the, the same rule applies. If the bull kills a male or female slave, its owner shall pay the owner of the third slave 30 pieces of silver, and the bull shall be stoned to death. If someone takes the cover off a pit, or if he digs uh, one and does not cover it, and a bull or donkey falls into it, he must pay for the animal. He is to pay the, the money to the owner and may, not, may keep the dead animal. If someone's bull kills someone else's bull, the two of them shall sell the live bull and divide the money. They shall also dive up, divide the, up the meat from the dead animal. But if it was known that the bull had been in the habit of attacking people and its owner did not keep it penned up, he must make he must make good the loss by giving the other man a live bull, but he may keep the dead animal. Laws about repayments. If someone were, if someone steals a cow or a sheep and kills it, he must pay five cows for one cow and four sheep for one sheep. He must pay for what he stole. If he owns nothing, he shall be sold as a for what he has stolen. If the stolen animal, whether a cow, donkey, or a sheep, is found alive in his possession, he shall pay a two for one. If a thief is caught breaking into a house at night and is killed, the one who killed him is not guilty of murder. But if it happens during the day, he is guilty of murder. If someone lets his animals get graze in a field or a vineyard and they stray away and eat up the crops growing in someone else's field, he must make good the loss with the crops for, from his own fields or vineyards or vineyards. If someone starts a fire in his own field and it spreads through the weeds, spreads through the weeds to someone else's field and burns up the grain that is grow, growing or that has been cut and stacked, the one who started the fire is to pay for the damage. If someone agrees to keep someone's money or other valuables for him and they are stolen from his house, the thief, if found, shall repay double. But if the thief, thief is not found, the one who was asking the valuables is to be brought to the place of worship and there he must make take the oath that he has not stolen the other or one's property. In every case of a dispute about property, whether it involves cattle, donkeys, sheep, clothing, or any other lost object, the two people claiming the property shall be taken to the place of worship that uh, the one whom God declares to be guilty shall pay double to the other one. If anyone agrees to keep someone else's donkey, cow, sheep, or an other animal for him, and the animal dies or is injured or carry carried off in a raid, and if there was no witness, the man must go to the place of worship and take it out that he has not stolen the other man's animal. If the animal was not stolen, the owner shall accept the loss, 
and the other man need not repay him. But the, if the animal was stolen, the man must repay the owner. If it was killed by wild animals, the man is to bring the remains as evidence. He need not he need not pay for what has been killed by wild animals. If anyone borrows an animal from him from someone else and is injured or dies when the owner is not present, he must pay for it. But if that happens when the owner is present, he does not he needs he need not repay. If it is a rented animal, the loss is covered by the rental price. Moral and religious laws. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged, he must pay the bride price for, for her and marry her. But if her father refuses to let him marry her, he must pay the father a sum of money equal to the bride price for a virgin. Put to death any woman who pra practices magic. Put to death anyone who has sexual relations with an animal. Condemn to death anyone who offers sacrifices to any god except me, the Lord. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. Remember that you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not mistreat any widow or orphan. If you do, I, the Lord, will answer them. And when they cry out for me to, to me to, for help, and I will become angry and kill you in war. Your wives will become widows and your children will be fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor, do not act like a money lender and require him to pay interest. If you take someone's cloak as a pledge that he will pay you, you must give it back to him before the sun sets, because it is the only covering he has to keep him warm. What else can he sleep in? When he cries out to me for help, I will answer him because I am merciful. Do not speak evil of God, and do not curse a leader of your people. Give me the offerings of your grain, your wine, and your olive oil when they are due. Give me your firstborn sons. Give me the firstborn of your cattle and of your sheep. Let the firstborn male stay with its mother for seven days, and on the eighth day offer it to me. You are my people, so you must not eat the meat of any animal that has been killed by wild animals. Instead, the dogs. Great. Thank you so much, Maxwell, for reading all of that. Um, appreciate it. So first, let me explain again what I was saying earlier, since um, there's a lot of questions here about that, and I could have explained it more in depth. Um, but, okay. Again, it, I mean, it's not a mortal sin if you say, oh my god, you slam your finger in the door, right? You know, that's your mind right but and if you're not saying um this in way of um honor my lord or um you're saying jesus christ in vain and not in a, a way of prayer praise supplication it's a mortal sin um and what i was talking about was good and goodness using those in um replace of saying god what is god he is goodness Right, and um, I can't find the article. Um, I I thought I was trying to find the article right now. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a priest. And he was talking about um, how goodness and good is derived from um God, and it goes back so many 
so many um years ago centuries right that um these people were trying to replace oh if we just say this then then it's fine but it's the same thing because like what i said what did i say god is goodness um he is good itself and so in this way um if we are not if we're saying if we you know we're just talking to our friends and we say omg that is <laughs> that is um kind of taking his name in vain and i'm sure some people will will argue with me with this um but it it is it, it really is i don't know uh yak if you have um a view on this but as you saw what he said in the chat of course um it, it's not in this way we um uh, kind of uh, offending God, you know, and and that's okay, <laughs> you know. We I'm not okay, but that you didn't, you guys didn't know, and I'm talking about it right now, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And um, like I said earlier in the chat just now, Saint Thomas defines that the purpose there's a purpose for all of our actions as humans. So our eyes are meant for seeing, and you know, and if we use our eyes to do anything else, right? We think about the procreative act. Sex is used for the procreation of, you know, of children, and any use of, of that beyond that intention is a disordered use and speech uh, and language. Um, we need to consider what's the purpose of speech and language. The purpose of speech and language is to convey knowledge, to share with others what you are, what, what you know to be true, or what what you want to share with somebody. Um, now, when we, whenever we act, uh, based off of our emotions, it's never, you know, it, it's never us acting in our fullest and capacity as humans. Um, we have now stooped down to the level of, of, uh, of animals, right? Which is why we are always trying to um, limit ourselves. Why we always try and deny ourselves. We don't always eat whenever we're hungry. We don't, we don't always sleep whenever we're tired. We don't always, uh, you know, have sex whenever we want that, as animals do, because we are humans and we are greater than animals. So we uh, control our passions and we control our um, desires. So with speech, so let's say you stubbed your toe, your first act is always to you know you're you want to express something you want to you know scream or yell or say something out loud of profanity but we you have to always consider that you are using speech um in that case not to convey any sort of knowledge you're acting with you know by your emotions which would be considered an improper use of it. And obviously, whenever we sin, based off of our emotions, um, if our emotions kind of just get get the better of us in that moment, it's, it's not a mortal sin. But it is um, just another thing where if we can really just try and control that a little more, um, that, is, that is always better. And um, growing in the virtues of temperance so, yeah. Yes, exactly, Jakob. Thank you for that. Um, and I would say it's not it's not wrong to um, 
that with a word that has nothing like it's detached from god so um friend you're saying you say days i think that's fine um you know and and you're not meaning it to be malicious or anything um but let me remind you guys of like i said um when people say jesus christ they don't say that (laughs) they don't say his name to honor him um they're just they're using it for their own um their own personal use of their daily conversations we can't just go around misusing um the holy name of jesus in a willy-nilly matter um that is most certainly a moral sin um yeah exactly and um i do want to you know if you if you have trouble right now with you know you're saying oh my god right um and using the lord's name in vain and stuff like that um yeah definitely start with just trying to replace those words start with that but um eventually you do want to get to the point where you aren't just saying words that really have no meaning um mm-hmm. right because we're not animals we don't just go around you know quacking like a duck or barking like a dog right we we have speech and our speech has meaning so um you know a baby is is pretty much like a you know just like a, a dog going around quacking around right there's there's no knowledge there's nothing being shared um but we are at a higher level than our, than our little four-year-old you know sister or whatever so um begin by eliminating the use of you know the lord's name in vain god jesus christ the saints also right so mary um invoking those and saying those with irreverence is also wrong any sacred object um and anything holy by bringing you know making something holy um unholy or making it into something which is you know less than holy is always wrong it's um so you should eliminate that first and that should be your first uh, goal and then after that you can um you know work on trying to eliminate um, any sort of utterance which does not come out of um which comes out of your emotions exactly yes um and i would say don't don't freak about it too much it's like jacob said um slowly um do that it's, it's still a habit i'm building you know and i have my friends and we keep each other accountable like oh <laughs> you said that um you'll get aware of it you'll um, build this awareness of it and uh like we said it's a it's a habit that you built it's um okay to not have known about this before i mean no one really talks about it right um but if you guys have any other questions we can move on or if that was a good enough explanation you guys still have questions um as far as words you could use a uh, friend says days. I know people that say, oh, my Lanta from, from Full House. Um, but yeah, get to a point where you just, you're just like, oh, or wow, right? Um, Jakob said, our words have meaning. So um, keep that in mind that you're not just saying crazy stuff, right? <laughs> or just use keyboard scrabble. I don't know. <laughs> um. 
but all right um too much explanation of what we read in exodus um um, a lot right i will note though that um kind of with the commandment of of not to of you shall not kill um and then we also saw the um in verse verses 12 to 14 uh chapter 21 there's this unintentional homicide is punished differently than actually killing someone so when you see the word kill from the commandments it's um you're meaning to kill them intentionally right um but also i I forgot to mention this earlier with the ten commandments uh, we also tend to do this a lot which more applies to us of killing each other with our words right um so it's also something to, to keep in mind and again um being mindful to our language um but like i said not too much to go over there if anyone has any questions we can move on to job and fern whenever you're ready you can go ahead and read elihu continued and said wait a little and i will instruct you for there are still words to be said for god i will assemble arguments from afar and for my marker i will establish what is right for indeed my words are not a lie one perfect one perfect in knowledge is before you look god is great not disdainful his great his strength of purpose is great he does not preserve the life of the wicked he establishes the of the poor he does not divert his eyes from the just but he seats them upon thrones with kings exalted forever. If bound with fetters, he lets them know what they can for any part of the He appears and tells them from evil. If they listen and serve, they spend, they spend their days in prosperity. But if they do not listen, they pass to the grave. They perish for lack of knowledge. The impious in heart lay up anger. They do not cry for help. He binds them. They will die young, their life among the perfect. But he saves the afflicted through their affliction. He opens their ears through oppression. He entices you from distress to a place without constraint. While stun your to eat food. Though you are full of the judgment of the wicked, judgment and justice will be maintained. Let not anger at abundance entice you, nor great bribery lead astray. Will your wealth equip you against distress or all your exertions of strength? Do not long for the night when peoples vanish in their place. Be careful, do not turn to evil, for this you have preferred to affliction. Look, God is exalted in his power. What teacher is there looking? Who prescribes for him his way? Who says you have done well? Remember, you should exalt you should extol his work, which people have praised in song. All mankind beholds it. Everyone views it from afar. See, God is great beyond our knowledge. The number of his years pass searching out. He holds in check the water drops that filter in rain from his flood. Till the, cloud, till the clouds flow with them and they rain down on all mankind. Can anyone understand the spreading clouds, the thunderings from his tent? 
Look, he spreads he spreads his light over it. It covers the roots of the sea. For by for by these he judges the nations and gives food in abundance. In his hands he holds the lightning, and he commands it to strike the mark. His thunder announces him and entices the freedom the fury of the storm. Thank you, friend, for reading that. Oh, first, I want to just go over real quickly um, from what we missed yesterday, just um, chapter 35. Um, <clears throat> of course, it's just Ellie's speeches that we're getting. Um, interesting, though, from 35, he says, he's, he's talking, right? Uh, verse 4, you don't have to pull it out. Um, just going over this, he says, reply to you. So he goes here and refers to Job's statement, um, that the innocent suffer as much as the wicked. That's what Job says. And, um, he just goes over more of uh, making these claims that we know about Job that are not true. Um, more with that, because Job doesn't understand this or so, L.U. thinks um, God is going to punish him even more severely. And going through further to chapter 36, um, we see kind of how 16 to 20, there's not really much logical um, sequence here. Um, the Hebrew text is obscure, and so that's just interesting to note. We go further um, in verses 22-25. Here is, is an introduction um, really to the divine that it kind of um, setting us up for the Lord that we see um, in just two chapters. So as I said, not too much to go over. Oh, you speaking. Um, and soon we will be out of all of his speeches but are there any questions before we move on to the gospel anything to add who doesn't mind reading a mark 8 for us i didn't ask earlier but would be pleasure I will go ahead and read it then. <laughs> the feeding of the four thousand. In those days, where there again, a great crowd without saying anything to eat, he summoned the disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes and will collapse on the day, some of them have become come to a great dif distance. Disciples said to him, where can anyone get enough bread to satisfy them here in the desert place? Still asked them, still he asked them, How many loaves do you have? Seven divide. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute, and distributed them among the crowds. Thus had a few fish. They said a blessing over them and ordered them to distribute also. They ate and were satisfied. 
They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets. They were there about 4,000 people. He dismissed them and got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Demuthia. The, the demand for a sign. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depths of his spirit and said, Who does this generation seek a sign? Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the shore. The leaven of the Pharisees. They had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have no have eyes to see not do you have eyes and not see? Ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many wicker baskets of full fragment up? They answered twelve. When I broke up the seven loaves for the for four thousand, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They had him seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? The blind man of Bethsaida. When they arrived at Bethsaida, they brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. He took a blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he laid his hand on him and said, and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, he replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid his hands on his eyes a second time, and he saw clearly. His sight was restored, and he could see everything distinctly. He then set home and said, Do not even go into the village. Peter's Confession about Jesus Now Jesus and disciples set out for the village of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You're the Messiah. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. The first prediction of the Passion. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and to be rejected by the elders. The chief priests described and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Conditions of Discipleship He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. What profit is there for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? What could one give in exchange for his life? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words and faithfulness and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Okay, so... A lot, right? And I didn't break it up this time. 
However, I did forget to go over Mark 7 real quick um, just before I explain Mark 8. But <clears throat> Mark 7, um, here we see what, what happened in Mark 7. Um, just kind of sets aside the law itself in respect to clean and unclean food. Um, here he kind of opens the way for unity between the Jew and Gentile in the kingdom of God. Going further, um, he, he kind of, he kind of, um, talking to this, he, some people believe that the spiritual death is measured by how well certain rules religious we follow. And so in Mark 7, Jesus reminds us that it is also what is in our heart, right? We can't um, do these art outward expressions of um, faith if we are not also doing that um, inside, right? And so many times, of course, when he's, he's talking to the Pharisees, that's um, what they are all about. We kind of see that again um, in Mark 8, uh, when he's talking to the Pharisees. Do not have eyes to see and not see, ears and not hear. Um, so they, they cannot, for some reason, understand this is this is God, right? They see all these miracles, but yet um, nothing has changed. And so we get into um, Peter's confession about Jesus. This is um very profound moment. <clears throat> this is um really about Christ's question about himself. Um so Jesus responds to to Peter, right? But this is kind of different of what we see in Matthew. Um it's missing the part where Jesus responds to Peter and says, You are Peter on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, this is missing. This is missing in Mark's account. Mark has a shorter account of the question that Jesus asks in Peter's response. So, some elements to uh, highlight here. When Jesus says, What do men say about say that I am? The disciples give a couple of options John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. These three groups all have in common is that they're all dead. John the Baptist is dead. Elijah, um, well, he's not dead, but he's been taken up to heaven. So he might come back. Um, and all the prophets are dead. So on the one hand, um, the answers that people give point to the fact that they recognize Jesus is more than just an ordinary man because they're selecting a few people that have died, men of greatness from the past, and as a possibility for identifying Jesus in the present. But of course, Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter, as always in the four Gospels, acts as a spokesman and says, you are the Christ. So we notice here for um, a second, a difference here with the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew lists Jeremiah as one of the options, but Mark doesn't mention that. It's true. Also in Matthew's um, account, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here, Mark can tell it's more brief. He just says, you are Christ. 
and you will recall from previous Bible studies, um, maybe, I think we mentioned it, that um, the Christ is the English translation of the Greek Ho Christos, which means the anointed one, the Messiah. I'm pretty sure we've, we've mentioned that before. But then we see once again the theme of the Messianic secret, uh, which is here specifically Messianic. When he says Jesus charged them to no one to tell about him, in other words, he charged them to no one to tell no one about his messianic identity. So then the, let's continue on, ask ourselves a question. Um, why doesn't Mark include the words that Jesus said to Peter about making him the rock, right? It's interesting. If you look in the history of the church, if we do that here, um, traditionally believed that Matthew's gospel was written first and that Mark's gospel was written second, and that Matthew was written by Levi, one of the twelve apostles, and Mark was written by a companion of Peter based on his preaching in Rome. So if we go back all the way um, to the fourth century in Eusebius's book, The Proof of Gospel, um, we see that he talks about the fact that Mark's gospel, the way the stories are told about Jesus and the disciples reflect the humility of Peter, actually. In other words, Peter is Mark's gospel, in Mark's gospel, highlights his own flaw, faults, his own flaws, his betrayal of Christ, and he downplays his prominence in some of the more, um, the more kind of weirder statements, odd statements that Jesus makes him. Um, or not weird, but these these great statements, um, like you are the rock, upon this rock I will build my church. Um, just an exercise of humility. So that's kind of the reason why this is a little different from the other gospels. Now we go into um more of what's what's interesting there's this rebuke that um, Jesus gives to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And Jesus is not calling Peter Satan. He's simply saying, you need to follow me. You are, you're thinking um, worldly, secularly devilish, that he's being devil-like, but not that he is actually Satan. And so he speaks a little bit differently here than he does when he's actually casting out demons. He says, get behind me, so follow me. Um, very interesting here. And of course, we, we keep reading um, and taking up our cross as Jesus um, <clears throat> commands us to do. And whoever is ashamed of me and of my words and this faithfulness and sinful generation the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes into my father's glory with the holy angels um all very um a lot to take in right so many times we are ourselves so ashamed to uh, proclaim our faith um even where a symbol of our faith and in this way we we are ashamed of it right um and we shouldn't be, of course, we're not going to go and, and boast out. Because, like I said, going back to um, what what's inside, what how are our hearts, we also have to have both um, 
we cannot be reverent on the outside when we do not actually know what's happening um, inside of us, right? So, we remember um, to take up our cross. And doing this, of course, we know that we will um, suffer. We will suffer greatly to take up our crosses, to suffer, um, to leave everything behind um, and follow the Lord. It takes a lot. Um, but again, doing that, we are not ashamed. We are going full force with our Lord. Anyone have any questions, anything to add? Um, any clarifying details? Thank you guys so much for coming. I know um, you had to push it back, so it's a little different. But thank you guys so much for reading. Um,